Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. If you've ever been fascinated or frustrated by your attention span, this episode is for you. We'll be learning more about gaining control of our focus and understanding why we get so easily distracted. Joining us is renowned psychologist, Dr. Gloria Mark, who has been called the definitive expert on distraction (laughs) and multitasking. She's the author of a new book called Attention Span, a groundbreaking way to restore balance happiness, and productivity. Dr. Mark, we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You write that our use of personal technologies affects our ability to pay attention. Tell us more about that and how that has really changed things as far as our attention spans are concerned. Well, that's that's a really huge story. So uh, it turns out, <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out that uh, it does affect our ability to pay attention a lot. And, uh, you know, I've been tracking people's attention spans on their screens over the last 15 years, and we use objective measures. So, you know, we started out actually uh, shadowing people with stopwatches to time very precisely how long their their uh, attention was on any screen before switching. That was very laborious. So then we switched to using computer logging techniques. So uh, what we found is that over the last 15 years, the attention duration on any screen has decreased. And it's down in over the last five, six years or so to about 47 seconds on any screen on average before switching. And other independent studies have also uh, verified this. So yes, we have very short (laughs) attention spans when we're on our screens, our computers, our phones, our tablets. I'm guessing that that attention span also correlates with age and you've got all these young kids who are using phones for the first time and there's so many exciting things or you've got kids who are just talking to friends and switching between TikTok and Instagram, whereas people like my my mom, maybe she's on one screen a little longer. Yeah, because it takes you so long to get on there in the first place. (laughs) Well, so actually, uh, most of our study participants are from the age of, well, we, we've looked at college students up through the age of, you know, people in their 50s, uh, maybe early 60s, and there's really not much difference. So we, we've not looked at younger kids. We've not looked at K through 12. But, uh, you know, looking from college age on up, we find the, the results are basically the same. That is fascinating to me. And I know you've also done research on how long it takes for us to get back into an activity once we've uh, once our attention has been taken away from it. Tell us about scary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, when we when we look at switching on screens, right, you might think, well, maybe that's not so bad if I'm working on the same project, right? If I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm an academic and I write articles, and so sometimes I, you know, look at information on the the web. Sometimes I look at emails. Sometimes I'm writing. Sometimes I'm checking my email or social media, right? But my attention is flittering around on different screens. But what we did was we looked at uh, when people's uh, 
screen switching was all contained within a single project. So I'm working on project number one, and then I switch my attention to project number two, and then to project number three. Now, first of all, people spend only about 10 and a half minutes on average within any project before switching. That's not a very long time. But secondly, when people do get interrupted, it takes them about 25 and a half minutes to come back to that original project, right? I hope I hope this is, I'm saying this clearly. The, the point is, is that we get interrupted from something. We start to work on something else, get interrupted from that, start to work on another thing, get interrupted from that, begin to work on a fourth thing, get interrupted from that. And then we go back and resume work on that original uh, project. In other words, um, the interruptions are nested. It means we get interrupted from interruptions. And so we, you know, our our days. If you wonder why we're exhausted, it's because we're we're always trying to recover <laughs> from our interruptions. That is so so true. What are some good ways that we can self regulate? Oh, that's a that's a big one. Uh, so. You know, when we do actions like uh, checking social media or checking email, um, some of those actions, of course, are caused by notifications. You might get a notification that you've got a new email. Turns out that about half the time, people tend to interrupt themselves. They self-interrupt, right? And a lot of times, maybe quite a bit of the time that we self-interrupt it's an automatic action, right? We we grab our phones. We see our phones here. We we go to pick them up, and that's an automatic action. Uh, we switch our screens to look at email. That's an automatic action. Switch our screens to check social media. Now, um, one of the things that we can do is to make these automatic actions more conscious for us. So bring them to our conscious awareness. And if we can do that, we can be more intentional about what we're doing. And I call this meta-awareness, gaining meta-awareness. And that refers to being aware of what you're doing as it's unfolding. So how do we do this? How do I be how do I gain this kind of meta-awareness? I, I do it by probing myself. So when I have an urge to check my email, I ask myself, do I really need to do that? Why Why do I want to check email? Why do I want to go on social media? Why do I want to look at a shopping site, right? And I probe myself and try to understand the reasons. Um, very often, it's because I'm bored with what I'm doing, right? I might be bored, or maybe the thing I'm doing is just too hard, and I don't want to deal with it. And I would rather do something very easy, like, uh, like, you know, go to social media. So by, by making myself more aware of what my actions are, I can try to understand. I have the opportunity to understand what I'm doing and I can question them. And then I can start asking myself, does it have value for me? What kind of value? Right. And that's the key thing. And then I realize, you know, going on social media right now is not really going to have a lot of value for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that right now. 
or if something is bored, why why is this boring, right? What makes this boring? Once you once you understand that, can give you a different perspective about the the task you're working on. I, I know you talk about the different kinds of attention and feeling bored is one of the kinds of attention. Tell us about the others. Yeah. So, um, you know, when people talk about attention, they usually talk about it in terms of two states. You're focused or unfocused, right? Everybody complains about, oh, I'm I'm not focused. Why can't I be more focused? But, you know, if we think of attention in a much more nuanced way, we can divide attention into being you're engaged in something and challenged. You can also be engaged in something and not at all challenged. Okay. These are in both, in both cases, right? You're, you're engaged with something, but in one, you're putting in a lot of mental effort. In the other case, you're, you know, it's easy. You're not putting in mental effort. When you're putting in mental effort, you're engaged and challenged. That's when you're focused, right? If you're trying to work at something, you're trying to write, you're trying to read something, uh, you're trying to solve a problem, you know, you're you're using focused attention. On the other hand, if you're challenged, uh, sorry, if you're engaged and you're not at all challenged, you're you're not using a lot of mental effort. Think of when you play uh, solitaire or you play a simple game on your phone or on your computer. It's easy, but it's very compelling. You're very involved in it, right? Or even, you know, social media can be that way. You can be very engaged in it, reading a story, and it's it's very easy to do. I call that kind of attention rote attention. Okay, so we have focused attention, rote attention. Now, it turns out that we we find in our research that people are happiest when they when they experience rote attention. Why? Because it's easy, right? It gives us a chance to refresh, step back, uh, relax, and yet it's engaging for us, right? That's why people choose simple games, you know, things like Candy Crush, or uh, you know, I have this anagram game that you know, that that I go to when I get stressed and I just want to pull back. Well, it also turns out that uh, doing this rote kind of activity is not, it's not bad, right? It has a bad rap. People think it's, it's bad for us. We should always be focused and therefore we can be productive. But we can't hold sustained focused tension for lengthy periods of time in the same way that we can't lift weights all day without getting exhausted, right? You need to step back. Your mind needs to take a break and replenish. And doing this kind of rote activity is, you know, it's a great way to do it. It keeps your mind lightly engaged. If you have a problem you're trying to solve, this can be kind of working on the back burner of your mind while you're why your mind is lightly engaged with something else. And then, you know, when you've built up your attentional resources, then you can go back and and start doing the hard work again. I have ADHD and I'm wondering if that's kind of why it's easier for me to do work when I have the TV on in the background, even if I have it on mute, like if I have the Today Show on, it's easier for me than if I have nothing else going on. 
Well, so yeah, ADHD is is another uh, another issue um, in the people who we've studied. Right, we we've not really had anyone who scored in the extreme parts of scales like impulsivity that would be consistent with having ADHD. So um, the the point is that our participants in our studies, uh, they experience uh, the same kinds of trouble focusing and, you know, they experience being distracted as a person with ADHD might. In other words, we're, we're really not seeing any differences in behavior. Right, so it's it's a universal problem, right? It's a problem that uh, many many people share when they use their devices. Having TV in the background, um, you know, people can't do they can't pay, put attention to two things at the same time that require hard work, hard work to think about. So. You might have that TV in the background, but you're probably not paying attention to it. On the other hand, you might someone might say something in that TV and you snap to attention and all of a sudden start listening to that TV, and then you're not paying attention to the, the work you're doing in front of you. So it's really an either or. And what happens is we're switching our attention very rapidly back and forth between. I'm wondering what the benefits are to trying to gain more control over our attention span and trying to gain more ability to focus and not get distracted. Yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, it's it's about gaining agency, right? Gaining, gaining self-efficacy over your behavior. And that's a it's a very powerful thing. I mean, it it gives people uh confidence in in what they can do. Um people uh, when they have agency over uh, their use of digital devices, they can accomplish more because then you have the choice. You have the choice of where you want to put your attention, whether you want to work on, you know, this deadline that's that's coming up, or whether you do want to, to you know, pull back, take a break, uh, go to social media for a while. It's in your control. And when something is in your control, when you can harness your attention, right, then you can accomplish more because you can make choices of, you know, what you want to do when. Uh, the problem is that when we start doing things that are automatic, that become out of our control, when we go down rabbit holes in social media and we feel like we don't have the ability to pull ourselves out, right, that's that's problematic, right? So it's it's better, it's beneficial for people to, to gain control. How has that impacted working from home? Cause it's a little easier to, to get to going down those rabbit holes than, <laughs> than it would be in the office. Yeah. It's, it's a great question, especially because a lot of companies now are uh, turning to uh, remote work and letting employees have choices, whether to work from home or doing hybrid work. So that that's a really important question. So now some people when they work at home may have the luxury to work in a private space, right? And that's that's beneficial. Some people don't. Some people have to work in a shared space with other people in their home. And you know, we found we've actually studied t- 
teams who have been working remotely. And we find that, you know, working in a shared space is problematic. Uh, People have a harder time focusing. Um, It also turns out that when you're at home, there are different kinds of distractions that you face, right? When, When we're in the office, Someone you might have distractions of other people coming into your office or just the ambient noise in the environment. When you're at home, your distractions are more home-centered, right? If you have kids at home, there's the opportunity to be distracted from them. There's your pile of dirty laundry, your dirty dishes. So your your thoughts are uh, are sometimes elsewhere. Now, the, the other thing that we found, and this is... Um, especially when teams work remotely, that when people are at home, they tend to slip into their natural chronotypes. That's That means their, their natural body rhythms. Some people are early types where they can wake up very early and you know they're just raring to go at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Other people are late types. They sleep later. They don't really get started until later in the day. And it turns out when people work remotely, they tend to slip into their natural chronotypes. And that's because they don't have the structure, the the nine to five structure, whatever that hourly structure is that's imposed by being physically present in the workplace. And so people tend to slip. And, you know, when you're when you're working in a team and you're an early bird and you're it's 6 a.m. and you're sending out messages and your uh, colleague, right, doesn't really get started until 10 a.m., right? You've, you've got some uh, some alignment issues there, which which need to be solved. Overall, what messages um, would you like to get out to employers and employees in terms of what we're doing now in terms of working remotely? What what should be we be watching out for and and what's good about what we're doing? Right. So, um, you know, working remotely can be a very good thing. A lot of people report benefits. For example, uh, it saves them a commute. Right, yeah, because commuting can be exhausting and stressful. So there's there's uh, saving that, but it can also be a lonely endeavor. So you know, when people work at home, they don't have the social connections that they have in the workplace, and so it's really important to compensate for that. Now, you know, some team leads are very good at setting up times for people to meet regularly when they're working at home. But these kinds of meetings uh, don't just have to be formal uh, work meetings. They can also be social meetings among colleagues, right? It's it's very important for people to, to interact with others as opposed to just staring at a screen by yourself all day. That's, that's a, a, a really important aspect of work. I was really curious to know about the impact of our attention span um, with our relationships with our friends and family who we seem to be communicating with almost constantly throughout the day with through text messaging, whereas before we maybe would have just had an occasional phone call with them. I imagine um, knowing from my own experience that the relationships I have on text um, aren't quite as personal, but there's still an element of feeling like I'm 
closer to them because like if there was anything yeah. big to talk about, you can you can share it immediately. But what what was your finding? Yeah. So, you know, absolutely. We have benefited so much from technology. You know, there's there's no question about it. And being able to text with family and loved ones and friends is is it's so beneficial. Um, we should not, however, put that uh, sacrifice our in-person meeting with individuals simply because we can text them or we can email them. It's extremely important to be able to still have that that face-to-face connection. It's really important. Um, the other thing is because we can text so many people or because on social media, we can interact with so many people, hundreds, thousands of people. It's really important to not neglect individuals, right? We we can communicate with masses and it's really important to be aware of individuals. And so a strategy that I like to use that, and I, I think it's been very helpful is when you go on social media, instead of just thinking of the scrolling through all the masses, think about an individual that you want to connect with and, and send a message to that individual and, you know, or, or tell them how much you value their friendship or, but focus on an individual, right. And, and make a connection with that one person because it it's so much more meaningful than just simply scrolling through um, masses of people who can become quite abstract, right? After some time, we we get we get pleasure, but we're not necessarily getting deep pleasure from doing that. You know, when we first um, learned that you were going to be a guest on the show, I was and I was looking at the title of the book, Attention Span, and I was thinking mm-hmm. back to when I was in elementary school, and teachers would say to to the class over and over now, pay attention, pay attention. And there would be some kids in the class who just couldn't do it. And I'm wondering what message you'd like to get out to parents and teachers about the attention spans of of children and, and what we realistically can expect from kids. Yeah, that's, that's also a really great question. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors in our environment that affect attention spans of kids. And, um, you know, one of these, it turns out, is uh, it's shown that when kids watch fast-paced videos, so, and in fact, uh, the, the shot lengths of TV and film have now shortened to an average of four seconds. So every four seconds, they're changing shot lengths, which is pretty amazing, right? Uh, and there have been uh, studies that show that when kids are exposed to these kinds of fast-paced videos, and then afterwards, they're given some task, which involves attention, they have a much worse time paying attention than people in a control condition who were asked to draw something or to read something, right? They would these other, the, the kids in the control condition were not exposed to the fast-paced videos. So I would say to um, get, get in a practice of having your child do things other than just watching videos, TV, film, video games, you know, have them read. And even if it's reading something that's not, it doesn't have to be 
any kind of great literature for kids. It could be something simple, but get them in the practice of of reading. Reading something is is better than than not reading anything. When I when I was a kid, I read the comics in the newspaper. That was, you know, I loved it, right? <laughs> but it but it but it gave me an appreciation of of reading. And then I I began to read, you know, other things as well. But um so I would say it's so important for kids to uh, to learn how to read and get the, get their own fulfillment from from reading. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you talk about those fast edits because I found it so interesting how in the book you talk about how media has had to really change and how they market to adults in their ads and making everything shorter. So tell us a little about that. Yeah. So there's uh, you know there's so many. Uh, Parts of media that have shortened over the years, um, commercials, that, that's a great example. Uh, you know, when commercials first came out, 60-second commercials were quite common. And, and then they reduced to 30 seconds and then 15 seconds because uh, it, advertisers found out they could basically communicate the same thing in a shorter amount of, amount of time, paid less right? Right. Now ads are uh, starting to be uh, six seconds, right? Because, you know, six seconds can capture your attention span. But there's there's so many other uh, ways that media has changed. Um, There's, you know, these blockbuster films that we see, like transformers those those shot changes are really fast yeah and and it's it's called chaos editing right because it's chaotic it's chaotic it gives you uh it stimulates your senses but you can't necessarily make sense of what's going on <laughs> but you're just right. seeing one you're being pummeled with one scene after another uh so uh, th- there's that, and and of course, y- you know, in our social media, our text lengths, like on Twitter, is constrained, uh, and um, and video lengths, of course, are also constrained. So there's so many different directions and ways in which um, attention that's being uh, given to us. In other words. Um, the 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 the, mati- the media that we're consuming is being shortened. Wow, wow! You know, our our show is called Nobody Told Me, and we always ask our guests, "What is your nobody told me lesson?" So, what is it that nobody told you about our attention spans that you had to learn the hard way, and that you really think is an important thing to pass on to the rest of us who? who don't spend our, our careers studying this. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, um, to come up with one single thing. Um, well, we'll take more than one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll take all the help we can get. Yeah, yeah really. Well, I, I guess, I guess the one thing is just how short our attention spans were. And I, I started studying this because I myself was noticing that, you know, my attention kept shifting from screen to screen, but uh, I, I was really astonished and, and I kept being astonished as I saw our attention spans getting shorter and shorter. So so that that was one thing. Um, and I guess the other thing that really surprised me is that I didn't expect that people would self-interrupt 
as much as they do about half the time, right? Half the time, the interruptions come from within us. That's, you know, nobody told me that. And then I started becoming more aware of how many times I self-interrupt. And I realized, you know, for me, it's probably more than than being interrupted by some external thing. Uh, I, I don't generally have notifications on. So when I switch screens, it's because I'm interrupting from within myself. And that's amazing how often we do that. Interesting. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, that is so true. I think we've <laughs> both experienced that. Right. Right. Um, and how can people connect with you and learn more about the book? Yes. So uh, please come to my website, which is www.gloriamark.com. So all lowercase, all one word, gloriamark.com. You can learn about uh, the book, Attention Span. You can learn more about uh, some of the things, some of the research I do. And um, I, I have a newsletter where I write about different topics relating to attention. And it, you know, if everything from how we can be more productive to uh, digital tools for supporting mental health to stress. So a number of, of different topics. So um, I'd, I'd love to uh, hear from, from all of you. Well, we thank you so much for joining us. Your, your research is fascinating and it certainly applies to every one of us these days. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Dr. Gloria Mark, whose book is called Attention Span, A Groundbreaking Way to Restore Balance, Happiness, and Productivity. And again, her website is GloriaMark.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 